This is DJ and PK, Utah's highest rated sports radio morning show for over 20 years. Ridiculously good. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Don't miss your chance to win big every week on the KSL Sports Zone. This week on Win Tickets Wednesday, you can get a pair of tickets to Santana. And uh, so stay with us on that. Uh, we will do that on Wednesday. I also got to tell you about the Hero Hercules Hero of the Week liner. Nominate the youth sports volunteer that you know for Hercules Hero of the Week. Submit your nomination at KSL Sports Zone. It's KSLSports.com forward slash contest. KSLSports.com forward slash contest. And then listen every Thursday afternoon to JJ and Alex for the winner. Help us celebrate the efforts of those volunteers making an impact with the Hercules Hero of the Week. And yes, it is sponsored by Hercules Credit Union. DJ's off today, so is Yak. And Riley Jensen, mental health performance coach, sitting in. Riley J, leadership, man. It's so important. How do you define it? You need it. How many times have you heard the best teams I've been on from the coaching perspective (laughs) say the leadership is internal? It's not coming from me. It's coming from the guys. It's coming from the ladies, whatever it might be talking to Coach Craig Smith, basketball coach at Utah, as he tries to rebuild this program. They're better than they have been the last couple years, but they need to get going if they want to get in the tournament this year. They got five games guaranteed left, two at home this week, two on the road next week, and then at least one conference game, and you see from there, right? So they got the five games, and he's talking about leadership. And they got a bunch of veteran dudes on that team, but he says sometimes that can work against you leadership in the sports situation. What is that? And how do you get it? And the jazz, you know, who's the leader there? Is it marketing? He's still a younger guy. Hasn't played in a playoff game. Sexton, a lot of energy. Uh, They lost uh, maybe a leader in uh, Olenek there. How do you get that? It just seems like it's a nebulous thing to be able to accomplish. Well, I think, uh, I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into it one of the things I, I do get I do want to nod off every once in a while when I hear coaches talk about leadership and how it's internal and how it comes from the players and they usually blame leadership when things aren't going well <laughs> and I'm like oh, okay so there's great leadership almost every single time when there's winning and there's bad leadership every time when there's losing it's like chemistry in it yeah, it's it's just it's amazing. Got right? great it's, chemistry when you're winning. Right, right. It's but like, when you're losing, man, you guys just you gotta get it together. Yeah, it's just like I I, I get a little bit disillusioned with leadership because I think sometimes there's good leadership on a team and you're just not very talented. So what what, what do you want? Right, right. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could be or you could be really really like talented. And you don't have great leadership, but you still play well. I mean, all you have to do is go around to, like, some of the AAU baseball and AAU basketball teams, and there's not great leadership there. There's 10 guys on the team that are better than anybody else in the state. And so when they play anybody else in the state, they they kick the crap out of them. So is it overblown so then? I think it is a little bit overblown. Now, I will say this. I will say this. Here's 
here's where I think leadership can can play a really good role, right? Is like you want everybody wants somebody that's a high performing leader, right? And everybody wants someone that they can trust as a leader. But the the problem that we make sometimes as coaches, as people in businesses and that kind of stuff is we always choose high performers as the leaders. They're not always the leaders of the team. Like you look at somebody like, I don't know, you know, as a jazz fan, like Earl Watson was a leader on this team. He wasn't, he wasn't the best player on Not the team. Not at all. I like how you dug that name up. I, I mean, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, he was a guy. He was a philosophical dude, a deep thinker. And, and I thought he was more of a leader for this team, even though he wasn't the best player on the team. And right. I, I know there's, there's a Simon Sinek video that's really, really fun to watch where he talks about the Navy SEALs. Like, you know, they don't, they don't think trust is somebody that would save your life because everybody would save somebody's life. They want somebody that you can trust with your money and your wife, right? <laughs> and so they say, like, trust is, is, a, is a lot further of a function. And if you have trouble recognizing who the leader is in your room, right, everybody knows the high-performing individual with low trust. And if you don't know who that is, just look around the room at your work and tell me who the a-hole is. Tell me who the jerk <laughs> is. And Would you, you know- trust me more with your money or your wife? <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I don't, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know that I want you handling either. <laughs> I don't know that I'd use the word handle. I, I mean, that's the word I use. <laughs> right. you know? well, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made me uncomfortable. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> No, but when, when when you start to think about it, it's really, really easy to think about the person that you don't that that you think is a jerk. There usually can be really, really high performing people that are a jerk that you don't trust, that you wouldn't trust with your wife or your money, right? So so the question then becomes we always measure the metrics of high performance. We do that in basketball. We measure outcomes really, really well in this society. But how do we measure trust? How do we measure trust? And you have to have trustworthy individuals running the team. And I think the best way to do that, PK, is to help give players um, ownership rather than buy-in. So coaches always come and they have their platitudes. They'll have their five pillars that they think are the most important thing for a team to have, right? Like you got to have this, you got to have that, you got to have this, you got to have that. I think the best coaches are the ones that let the team create at least one pillar or two pillars of that whole um, piece of the building. Because when you give a player ownership, then it's easier to hold them accountable, if that makes sense. Sure, but how do you give them ownership, though? I mean, so, I get so that. So you let them pick but... what one of the pillars are. Like if you, like you say, you say to me that it's really, really important to be trustworthy on this team. It's important to mean what you say and to say what you mean. It's important to do this. It's important to do that. Let your team choose one of the pillars every year. And if you do that, then they'll buy into the other four and they'll have ownership on the fifth. And all of a sudden, you're able, you you let them pick something. Now, you can guide them in that deal, but you got to give them a little bit of say in something that's going on in your team. That's how you build ownership. You can't always be you talking to me, telling me what you want out of this show. I have to be able to say every once in a while, well, wouldn't it be cool if we did this or that or the other, Right. Sure, I, I get that, but in the end, if my guys are better players than your guys, who wins? Well, okay, so 
So that's ultimately, that's so what it's yes, about. Pro sports is about winning. Yes, and I, college sports I think now that's is about true. winning too. But every single team is doing their best to accumulate the best players. The, the secret sauce or the tiebreaker is leadership. The secret sauce or the tiebreaker is mental toughness. The secret sauce or the tiebreaker is people that are invested in being the best player for the team and not just the best player okay, on the so, team. Okay, well, so, all right, so Belichick had Brady, and boy, they had all that stuff. And they were winning Super Bowls left and right, and they were getting the Super Bowls. They may not have won them all, but they got there, so they were really good. Now the dude's basically fired in New England. Right. And did all those pillars and leadership skills and all and that the Patriot stuff. Patriot way. And he didn't have Brady. Right. He had Mac Jones and I know, but, Zappi but I would, and the man but, in the moon. But I think you could also argue that Tom Brady wasn't just the best player on his team. He was the best player for his team oftentimes. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, you do need leadership. I do think that 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 Tom Brady wasn't just the best player on that team. He was very, very good at rallying guys together. And if you don't think so, then go to Tampa Bay and watch him the next year. He literally rallied those guys and changed their mentality. Okay, all right. So no one's questioning Brady. I'm questioning Belichick. Yeah, well, I mean, look, Coach, I've said this for a long time. A really, really good head coach, a really good offense coordinator, a really good defense coordinator – they're good for like plus or minus two on your team. They're not good for plus or minus 10. They're good for plus or minus two. They have to manage personalities. They have to help people to have vision and, and go in the right direction. Now, look, I don't care who you are. You lose Tom Brady, like your team's going to be different for a while. Yeah. You know? But did you think it would end with him basically being fired? I didn't think so. But I don't, I don't know that Mac Jones was the answer there. Well, clearly he wasn't. Right. So I don't. I mean, there's a little bit of a difficulty in pro sports for me in the sense that, like, you don't get to go out and pick your guys. You know, you have a general manager that's doing some of these things. You have people that are that are spending money on draft picks, and there's a tremendous amount of pressure. That's the one thing that I don't think people on the outside understand. There is a tremendous amount of pressure to play people that are getting paid more in pro sports. A tremendous amount of pressure on a, on a coach. Even if that's why I think the whole San Francisco 49ers story is amazing with Brock Purdy. I mean, they talk about it. They they talk about, hey, just so you know, I think our third string quarterback is our guy of the future. And they're they're kind of looking at Kyle Shanahan going, Are you sure are you sure? Like, are you like to do that and to have a Brock Purdy story in in modern day sports is an anomaly, in my opinion, because there's so much pressure and there's so many opportunities for the guy that's getting paid more to get to get the playing time because these guys are invested in these players. It's no different than on the college level, a scholarship player versus a walk-on player. Scholarship player gets 10 times the opportunities that a walk-on player gets. Yeah, every I understand time. that. Uh, every time. And so when you're, trying to, when, when you're trying to build things, it's hard on the pro level – to, to actually play your best 11 all the time. Yeah, but in the end, I mean, that, to, to, to me, this other stuff about leadership and, and uh, I don't getting think the guys it's as, to play. I don't think it's I'd as, rather have the more talented, and then I'll work with that. Right. I would agree with that. That's who's, why I'm saying leadership is a tiebreaker. I, I think leadership is not quite as important as everybody says. Well, you look at Utah's basketball team. I'm talking about the Utes. How can they go and – look so good at home and look so crappy on the road. I mean, right. like, we're, we're 
four games are rem- remaining in the conference season, and it's been like this virtually every week. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know all the answers to the inside to like what's going on there. I, ca- I can tell you this. I work with Westminster basketball, and there was a year where every time they went on the road, they played really, really well on the first game on the road, and then the second game, the ba- the, the the backside of, was terrible. And what'd you do to and, fix it? And so we had to dig you in. You were a scholarship leader there. You're getting paid big money to fix that. Did you fix it? So what what we did, and this is where I think. A little bit on the road is overrated for people. Like, people say, oh, on the road, it's so hard to play at Buffalo. Well, okay. Guys play in big stadiums all the time. Guys play against loud stadiums all the time. What are you doing to replicate your experience on the road and make it as similar as possible to what's going on at home? Right? So I talk to coaches talking all about the time. practice? I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about your schedule. I'm talking about bringing your pillow from home. I'm talking about making it as – as much as possible like home. Now, you can't on the road. Like, no matter what you do, you can't. But there are some things that you can do. Like, a lot of times coaches will go on the road and the schedule turns up like 10 degrees. It's like, yeah, you got a morning meeting when you get up because because they know that they have them the whole yeah, time. Yeah, they got nothing else to do, nowhere to go. Right, and they're like, they're afraid that these guys are just going to go screw around the whole time. They're not going to be ready mentally. So they give them 17 meetings during the day. And then, you know, the second half – or the second game of the road trip, the guys are like, dude, I just want to freaking go home. Like, huh? you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. other thing is there's so much food on a road trip. Like, dude, every if you've ever been on a, on a trip with a team, like I have. you get on the plane, there's like a sandwich bag with like two Snickers bars in it and a big sand. Then you get off and they hand you some Chick-fil-A. Then you get over. And and so there's a lot of different things that you can do to adjust the road trip. I think that's harder to manage than it is like playing in a big crowd. These guys love a big crowd. I think managing a small crowd is harder than than a big crowd if you want to know the truth. Right. Lack you know? of atmosphere and all like that. Like when stuff. BYU is in the WCC and they're playing at the Marriott Center and there's 20,000 fans and then they go to you know Pepperdine. Right. And there's 400. Yeah. Like that's harder mentally to prepare for than playing in the Big 12. Big 12, every stadium is going to be big. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you kind of enjoy people hating you and yelling at you. And Well, that's the BYU way. You know, I, th- I think that's fun. When I was playing on the road and someone's making fun of me, I'm like, oh, I matter. Yeah. Like, I, you care. Yeah, I think that uh, an entire generation of BYU basketball players in particular, maybe even football to an extent, but basketball, because it's a closer proximity, they've missed that. Yeah. Uh, they've missed coming out... Not for the being the pre, villain. The being the villain is fun. The formal pregame, the informal, just kind of shoot around uh, a little bit before the uh, where you're on your heart side, we're on our side, and having the fans just jump on you. Yeah. Uh, and they ha- they never got that in the West Coast Conference. I'm not sure they're going to get that as much in this conference because I don't think there's the hatred, but they will get not the yet. excitement. The, yeah, they will get the excitement, and the, there'll the be some hatred. Packed. Hatred will come. Hatred will come. It'll come as if you play well. Right, right. It's going to be tough, but yeah. And we know in the when they were in the Mountain West, whack. Boy, they were the most hated. I mean, that was such an eye opener for me when I first got here. Yeah, thirty years ago, and I, I think that I remember being in the pit. They had the conference tournament there, and they brought all the cheerleaders out during halftime of one of the games from everybody from every school, and they introduced them. And the only ones that got booed were the BYU cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, mean, I love it. Like, one of the reasons why you know that Utah State basketball is playing so well right now is you got 
You, you go to Twitter for a minute and just watch a San Diego State fan go after a Utah State fan for like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, this totally means Utah State is relevant because San Diego State fan isn't going to like – they're not going to respond to somebody. UNLV fans get into it with Utah State fans. It makes me laugh because in some ways, you know, Utah State gets to have – they're not as hated as BYU was because there's, there's other reasons yeah. that, that goes on. But you know Utah State's relevant when their fans are going at Utah State fans about different right. things. Right, no one's going at San Jose. No. Or Fresno. Right. Yeah. And so it's that's fun. As a player, it's really, really fun to play in a game where fans are going after you. I would agree. Because you're relevant. Yeah. I, I tell my son all the time, if they boo you, if other teams are cheering against you, they don't boo the player that sucks. They don't yell at the player that sucks. Yeah. Like, they come after the player that's good. Uh, I can understand all that, yeah. Uh, that as far as that goes and that atmosphere is something that you love to be in particularly I don't think there's anything sweeter than winning on the road no it's so fun and silencing those types of crowds well you know back to the University of Utah I don't know what the issues are why why there's some games where they're just getting blown out on the road my guess would be there was there's something in their scheduling there's something with the players that that isn't sitting right, isn't and, it? But and does, does, does it come that. down to talent? And are we are we overblowing this? Yes, I mean, talent first. Yes, I mean Colorado has more talent than Utah, but did they have thirty five points more talent? No, absolutely not. And don't forget that there is this ability for a team to rise above the talent of another team. So there, there's all kinds of ex- examples where teams that are not as talented have played better than teams that are more talented. That's the cool thing about team sports is that the sum of its parts don't add up. Yeah. And we got to go to break. We'll get to what I think literally might be the best example of that, that I've seen in the last 30 years. And I'll tell you about it. I want to hear it. And I think there's a decent chance you'll agree. And then we have Steve Cleveland at the top of the hour. I got to tell him about it because something it, something happened over the weekend that replaced what I used to think was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in sports as far as uh, being surprised. And I think it's got, and I've held, felt this way for many years, and I think it got superseded. On Saturday, we'll get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, the KSO Sports Zone. Twenty years and still going strong. Utah's number one sports radio show for over two decades. You're listening to DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Teton Wealth will be live in studio with Hans and Scotty G today to help you with your retirement plan. Tune in or visit RetireTeton.com. RetireTeton.com. You know, we talk about leadership and how important it is versus talent. I think one of the cool things we like to see in sports is the underdog, right? We enjoy that very much. And occasionally we get just an unbelievable underdog story. To where it's just no way that that happened, and it should have never happened. And 
I think one of the most amazing things that I'd ever seen, and we'll have Steve Cleveland will join us in a half hour, and I'm going to bring this up to him, was his first year as the BYU basketball coach. You remember the year before they won one game. Do you remember who they beat that year? Utah State. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was a really it was an NCAA tournament team. They had Marcus Saxon at point guard. Oh my gosh, man. So that was their only win, right? And then they bring in Steve Cleveland and Dave Rose, and you can't go over the transfer portal. You gotta just build with what you got, right? And they didn't have much. So they go down to the pit in New Mexico. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that place is just crazy right new mexico we talked about how the buffalo bills and jazz well that that's at the college level new mexico's linked the big time is the lobo basketball team right and the pits famous that's where they had the uh dave rose and and throw bailey played against each other in the houston um nc state shot at the buzzer blah 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 and valvano running around trying to hug somebody and that place is just off the charts when the team is halfway good because everybody in the community just goes nuts for it. And so Steve Cleveland and Rose take their team in there that year. They, I think the Lobos were on like a 40-some game winning streak at home, right? And sure enough, the undermatched, overmatched, under-talented Cougars win that game. I couldn't believe it. I was there covering it for the newspaper at the time. It was just unbelievable. It was a, it was a phenomenal thing. Uh, something that I can't explain. Well, I think that until what happened Saturday might have been the most th- the most surprised they've ever been at a sporting event in the hundreds, if not thousands, that I have witnessed over the years. And it's probably thousands. Uh, until last Saturday, Air Force, which was one in twelve, eight and seventeen, go into New Mexico, and they beat the Lobos on Saturday. And Lobos, that's a good team this year. Right. Yeah, they were uh, 21 and 6 at the time. And they beat them. And I'm wondering, is that the best example of leadership that we've seen? Somehow, the cadets beat that team. It's just totally, totally, without question, something that cannot be explained away. How in the world did that happen? You look at Utah State, and they returned nothing off last year's right. team. And they're great this year. They're great Osibor this year. See what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did. <laughs> well right? played. And they're, right now, are tied with Boise, and the Aztecs are a half game out. Uh, but, in my mind, they are the favorites to win it. And, and not that winning the conference regular season is – the be-all, end-all, because if you can win the conference season, you're good enough to uh, expect some success in the conference tournament. And they've got, this week, the reason why I bring up the Air Force, because that's who they play. They've got Fresno State and Air Force, and they're at Fresno. Fresno absolutely sucks. And then they got Air Force at home, and then San Jose um, at San Jose, and they suck next week, and then they close it out. With New Mexico. Uh, yeah, at home, right? So, in my mind, they go 4-0. Well, I think I think, I think, think right now, if you're Coach Sprinkle, you're thanking Air Force for that win over New Mexico. Oh, no question. Because it gets your players' attention. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So now you can say, hey, look, look, anybody could beat anybody. You could play up the whole, like, and plus if it you don't come out and play down hard. The standings. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know? But you look at what Fresno and Air Force have, which isn't much, and you can have all the leadership in the world, but they suck. And Utah State, they've been able to cobble something together that's been a surprise to where Sprinkle could very well be national coach of the year. He ought to be runaway coach of the year in the Mountain West. No one's going to argue that, I wouldn't think. Uh, but is that – There's definitely people talking about it nationally. I think it, I think it all depends on yeah. how they finish. Is it him with the leadership, or did he just import a bunch of great players, or both? Well, I think that's a combination of both. I mean, look, the point guard that he brought in from Montana State and great Ospor are two great players. There's a whole bunch of dudes. I know, but they're Montana State. They're big sky. They're not supposed to be as good. I know, but, I mean, look, one of the things that people don't understand is, like, to win on the Division One level in basketball, football, whatever it is, it's more about depth than it is about good players. Like, like, like yes – it's about what what it is. It's about more good players. It's not about do teams have good players. Like anybody that plays Division One basketball, if you and I went and watched him play in a gym, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy's freaking good." Even at Air Force, you're like, "That dude can play basketball." It's just they usually don't have the depth that New Mexico has, or the depth that that other teams have, right? Or the depth that Duke has, right? I mean, anybody gets injured at Duke, they're just replacing it with another six foot eleven. At that high level, jump. I understand that. And so, so I, I mean, look, for one-offs, for games like that, like things can come together for teams, and you can, and you can play yeah, But really those well. are extreme examples. Does they are New extreme. Mexico not have leadership? How do you lose to Air Force at home? Yeah, I don't know. Late February. I, I mean, I, I think that has to do – there's all kinds of factors that go into something like I that. I would not but. only fire – Rick Patino, I would him? fire his son Richard Patino, who coaches New Mexico. Well, I was going to say you're going to fire Rick for what's <laughs> going on in Mexico. <laughs> yes, because he fired that sent, son. But he sent out such a nice text to Mark Pope the other day that said, "Congratulations on a great win." Uh, after they beat, uh, was it Baylor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just it, it is baffling to me how that could happen, and you that's what's sti- so fun. I, I get it. What's so fun about team sports? But. You, you just can't allow that to happen if you're New Mexico at this time. And then it's it's not quite as baffling to me, but it still is a surprise that Utah State is this good. And then you look at Sprinkle. So he coaches at his uh, alma mater, Montana State, up there in Bozeman, right? And it takes him a couple years. So he goes 16 and 15, 13 and 10. And then in 21-22... They go 27 and 8. Last year, 25 and 10. They win the Big Sky Tournament. So he's participated. This will be his third consecutive time in the NCAA tournament. He's a good coach. Yes. I mean, look, I, I work for Weber State and for Utah State. So I've followed the basketball at Weber State pretty a lot closer than I have over the last uh, eight years now, right? Montana State, when Sprinkle got there, you, you could just feel that it changed. Like, you could feel the toughness of the team. Even when they weren't winning the conference championships, that that was a team that was tougher. You knew when you went to Montana State it was going to be a really tough game. You knew when they came in that they were going to be playing really, really hard defense. 
and that they were going to they were going to play hard and that's that's the hallmark of a sprinkle team right now is it, they play hard i think the thing that was the most impressive about utah state this year for me and i look I, they've had a whole bunch of good wins this year but i went and watched them play in the delta center against the university of san francisco mm-hmm. they shot so terribly I mean, I literally for the game it was like thirty percent that they shot, uh-huh. and they won by one point over San Francisco. I remember it, and I was like, that was so ugly. We couldn't hit a three. Great Osibor wasn't scoring. Like they they weren't doing anything. And I was like, and my wife goes, God, the Aggies don't look very good. And I'm like, actually, I think they're going to be really good. And she goes, What are you talking about? And I'm like, That's one of those wins where you win ugly. There's no way they're going to shoot that bad again all year. Like they're just not going to. And I think I was, I mean, I'm patting myself on the back here, not on purpose, but, like, I think it's true. Like, they've been able to win some big games this year ugly, where they haven't been able to hit the three, where great O-Spore's been off and somebody else steps up. So is that Sprinkle exhibiting his toughness upon I think so. Finding ways to win, finding ways to make the culture of toughness for that team. You know, that sometimes it's going to be great O-Spore, sometimes it's going to be, you know, the – the, um, I just spaced the local kid's name from Skyview. False love. False love. So I'm not, I mean, I watched False love play against Boise State up there. He had 25 points. He's driving to the rim like a maniac. This is a good team. This Utah State team is very, very tough. And the reason why I like their chances for the first time in forever in an NCAA tournament is because they can win without great shooting. Can. Yeah, with this, this year, if they got to the NCAA tournament and lost, how bitter of that pill would be? Uh, well, I'm a Utah Jazz fan, and I'm a Utah State fan. I mean, come on, dude. Right, I, but, I can but, be but patient. You, but, yeah, but, you, you, <laughs> but you just set yourself up because you think this year is different. And I, I knew do. you thought this year is different. I do think it's different. Because it does appear to be different. I can justify why you think that. Because of the way they play defense yes. and because they can win without shooting well. And right. typically, when you go to the NCAA tournament, nobody shoots as well. Because... In the NCAA tournament, they let the physical game kind of come through a little bit. And they've got some tough-minded guys. They do. Falsleff being one of them. Osibor being one Osibor of them. I think Osibor is tough. I think, I, I think the point guard is tough. Brown. Yeah, I think Brown is. Big I mean, shots. He makes big shots. He's also one of those guys that reminds me of John Stockton in the sense that when John Stockton— wears short shorts. Yes, short shorts. Okay. That's what I was going to say. That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> no, just what's cool about Brown at the end of the game is he knows how to make sure that they're getting good possessions and good shots at the end of the game, that they're using up the shot clock. You know, John Stockton used to control the last three minutes of a game like crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many games the Utah Jazz won back in the day just because you knew John Stockton was going to control the clock. He was going to get you a two-for-one. Right. He was going to get you two shots out of three before the end of the half, before the end of a quarter, all that kind of stuff. Brown does the same type of thing, and he makes great shots for this team at the end of a shot clock that are not easy shots to make where he has to take the shot because they've ran out of time, and I can't tell you how many times he's hit the shot this year. Utah State's a fun team to watch, and they're gritty. They're tough, and I think that's – I think teams that take on the personality of their coach are really fun to watch, and And I think think Sprinkle has that personality. Sprinkle next season is going to be – the surprise coach of the year in the Big 12, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> You're so rude. Can't even let me enjoy it for five minutes. 
Not even for five minutes. <laughs> I'm letting you enjoy Why it. Why do you always got to cut us you, Utah State fans? You've been enjoying it this whole season. No, you, you, you do this to us. <laughs> you do this. Like, you don't even let us enjoy them while they're here. They're like, oh, yeah, next year when he's coaching for Kansas State. Next year when he's coaching for Baylor. It's messed up. It's how you are, too. It's not very nice. It's not very nice. Do you think he stays? <laughs> Stop it. Come on, See what man. you're doing? This guy. You're trying to trap me into it with questions. I know what you're he, doing. He's the hottest coaching candidate in the West right now. Might be in the country. Okay, but I didn't. I didn't yeah, yeah, definitely in the I West. I wouldn't think he would go to the Southeast Conference. That usually doesn't work. You got to have some regionality. I don't know, the guy from Nevada did a pretty good job going to Arkansas. Musselman? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he'd been around and his father coaching the yeah. NBA. And, yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't. I you don't, think he'll stay out with? I don't see it. I do. Fran Fraschilla once told me the worst thing he did was to go from Brooklyn out to New Mexico. And they stuck him and put him in a cowboy hat and boots and jeans and Wranglers. Just wasn't who I'm he New was. York City, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't work. So are you it, trying to tell me? Wasn't that... right. And look at Odom. The second he came to Utah oh, yeah, State, yeah. he was out the door. See, why do you do this? See, well, now you're true. back ripping on us Aggie no, fans. I'm talking what about doing. what's a good just fit. constantly needling us. I'm talking about what's a good fit. Why do you hate me? Good fit. Why do you hate me? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. <laughs> 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? The Jazz going to steal. On the run, Lowry lobs it high. Colin Sexton finishes with a layup. Timeout, Greg Popovich, Utah by 15 again with six minutes left here in the fourth in Salt Lake City. Remember that play and then call in when JJ and Alex ask for it later today and you can win fabulous prizes. Amazon gift card is available. So know that play and then call in when they ask and you will win. We do it every Monday. There you go. Play of the day. Fabulous, fabulous prizes. A lot of fun with that. Easy to win for sure. Just listen and when they call when they call for it, you call in, and then you win. As simple as that, man. Don't you want that, though? Don't you want your coaches to be wanted? Isn't that a good thing? It's like what you're saying. They don't boo stiffs. They only boo folks who no, I, I don't have are a problem. somebody. Listen, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, obviously, Craig Smith left. Obviously... You know, we have coaches that leave every year. Matt Wells me, left. Just let me enjoy it while they're here. Like, that's the problem that I have with you. You're like, oh, yeah, he's going to be the Big 12 coach of the year next year. I mean, that's what you do with me. <laughs> we haven't even finished the season. We haven't even – we don't even know that we won the Mountain West Conference Championship yet. You do not. And you're already, like, talking about him on another team in, well, in different colors. What did I just it's hear? It's rude. I just heard that Sean Miller at it's Xavier was unkind. already going to be the Ohio State coach, and the season hasn't finished. When do, when do college coaches finish the season? At least in basketball, they do. In football, they don't. In your sport, they don't. That's a good point. And that's a joke. That's not very fun. No. I mean, that's what's it's no, so, so why so are you doing that to me? Why are you doing they, that to me in basketball? Because. Why don't you just let me enjoy the season? You can enjoy it. But 
Who's the top assistant? How do you like him? <laughs> He's so nasty. <laughs> See how you are? You can't even stop yourself either. Like, once you find a way to needle me, you can't stop. It's just like, I got to keep it going. I it's like you're the them. opposite of to heal a wound, stop touching it. You're, you're the guy that keeps touching it. To heal a wound? I thought that was some uh, actress. To heal a wound. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking one of those movies wow. that I, I don't watch, To Heal a Wound. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like a Hollywood name, doesn't it? Like a wound or like Scout yeah. or like, you know, you always have like a, a crazy name. Apple. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So I thought that I thought you were quoting "To Heal a Wound." <laughs> <laughs> to heal a wound, stop touching it. You're the opposite of that. You're just gonna keep touching the wound. You keep touching the wound to keep the blesher open. What was her best movie? To heal a wound. Which one did you like? Irishman Can't Sing. <laughs> Action movie? Rom-com? Irishman Can't Sing. That was my favorite movie that she, Tehillah Wound was in. <laughs> that sound like a name? Some Hollywood? <laughs> I mean, sort of. I'll give you that, but I'm not giving you Coach Sprinkle yet. Stop it. Can't have him. He's still here. He's still under contract. Yeah, I hope he stays, but it's just you the way. You do not. Sure, I do. Don't add. No, don't. No, we love no, stories, don't. man. No, I hope he stays. No, you don't. You hope he goes, and you just want to. You just want to needle me. No, I hope he's. Uh, no, when I hope he go, he goes to the Big Twelve, and then they coax Stu Morrill out of retirement. They're not gonna. You know. <laughs> He'll be coaching in the own on the court that's named after him. He lives. He lives in Fort Collins. He does. Yeah. He's not coming back. He lives in Fort Collins. He does. He moved back to Fort Collins. That hurt my feel. That hurt my feelings when I found that out. That's where he came from. I know. You've been to Fort Collins, haven't you? I have. I actually really like Fort Collins. It's a beautiful community. I do think it's a great community. Yeah, but it's not Logan. It's not Logan. Fort Collins advertises itself as the most college graduates per capita relative to its population. There's two major. Um, How do you even figure that out? I don't know, but they, they, having gone to Fort Collins, I feel a like that's times, a stretch. There's two major employers in Fort Collins. There's like two in Logan. Hewlett Packard, which is a big company, when you come in off the 25, right. and then CSU. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It really is. My my brother, my youngest brother, lived there for two years. I've been there three or four times. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see why he would want to live there, honestly. Well, it still hurt my feelings. But he's not coming back to coach. Don't talk to me about the assistant. Sprinkle is our guy. Ah. <laughs> so they've got money to keep him? We better. Because that's what it boils down to, isn't it? Well, I don't know now. I mean, every year the coach leaves and we get paid a, a buyout. <laughs> <laughs> see, I don't think there's that much difference between – the best of the Mountain West and the best of some other conferences in basketball. Well, they're going to have six teams in the tournament this year. I think there's a big difference in football. Yeah, but the Pac-12 is going away, uh, obviously. So I guess the Big Twelve. I think that I think the difference in football is pretty big. But in basketball, maybe because there's just fewer players, and you can find players like Alsabor. Who knew? Who knew Alsabor was this good? I mean, well, I mean, good. I didn't even know. I, I watched him play at Montana State. I didn't know he was going to be this good. That's what I'm saying. 
Yeah. You think he'd be this I mean, I think good. he was like the, the newcomer of the year, or he was like the, like, not the sixth was, man award of the year man, in the yeah. big sky. He, it wasn't like he was like, you know, five-star recruit that no, he's playing he's like. a foreign kid, and maybe people didn't know much about him, but he's got a body that could certainly play in the NBA. I don't know yeah, if he yeah. will, uh, but it'd be interesting to see. And then you never know. You never know. Who knew that Sprinkle would be able to do this? And so if he were to leave, who's to say the next right. guy isn't well, better? But I, I do feel like Utah State has built a culture of winning. Because you look at, I mean, Craig Smith came in. Yeah. Why am I forgetting Virginia Commonwealth's coach's name all of a sudden? I told you, Odom. Odom, yeah. So you got Odom. Now you have Sprinkle. I mean, you do have to say that there is some sort of culture of winning being built up there that, like, no matter who goes in there, if they're not terrible, they're winning. So you think Chris Burgess will win there next year? <laughs> why? Do you, why? <laughs> He'd be why? letting down so many Mormons if he did that. <laughs> do you know who he told that to? You. Me. I know. <laughs> You'd be letting down nine million Mormons if was, he goes to. That was one Duke. of my finest reporting jobs. I've never won Reporter of the Year or writer. Really? Never, never, no, never, no. I worked. It's because you can't sing. I worked on that story a whole year. Before. On Chris Burgess. Mm-hmm. Well, because he was a huge recruit. Right. Was, was he out of Southern California? Yeah, Irvine, Woodbridge High School. Yeah. 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 My mom worked with his mom, and so I knew a lot of inside story on that whole deal while he's being recruited because my mom was working with his mom. Yeah, and his uh, father, Ken. I used to call him when he was his uh, uh, junior year in high school. I'd call him on halftime of Monday Night Football. So knew, oh, really? I knew he'd be home watching the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, yeah. great move. And so I developed a relationship with him, and then I was working for the Watchdog, and I had to convince them to send me down there. In fact, I was initially rebuffed. No, it's not worth it. I went over my immediate manager's head and said, you got to send me. I said, I'll fly in day of game. I'll be on the first flight out in the morning. Be, whatever it costs, it'll literally be the minimum. And I guarantee you this will be worth it. I guarantee you. And 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 the, the guy above him was just a news hound. I loved working for him because because he if, just wanted the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all he cared about, man. Yeah. And and he wasn't, and he was sort of a he was a high level manager, but he wasn't the ultimate guy. Right. So he didn't necessarily have to answer bottom line. But if you had a news story that was good, man, uh, he'd he'd start slobbering. I mean, the guy, guy's true journalist. I don't even know if we have those people anymore. Loved working for. So the guy. you went to the BYU game? No. Oh. Chris Burgess was going to announce at oh. high school in November, early signing period. And so it was, and there were several kids, boys and girls that were going to announce, you know, I'm choosing school X, Y, Z, you know, right. about how they do. And they had a table up there and there was probably seven or eight. It's a very good high school athletically. And so I, I wanted to be there because it was either going to be BYU or Duke. And I knew if BYU didn't get them, that they were going to be in trouble. And so I, pleaded basically to send me and I flew down you know he was doing it at six o'clock I flew down like at two o'clock in the afternoon and uh went over to the gym and uh, I there was me and in fact I was just telling Craig Smith this story last night that it was me and a reporter from the Orange County Register and the uh, LA Times 
they used to have bureaus in that area for the Times in the Orange County Register. That was right in their backyard, essentially. Yeah. So there's three of us, and there were, Chris had announced he was going to Duke, and the three of us were around him, and I waited, waited, waited until they were done with their questions, and then they kind of peeled away. And I said, Chris, how'd it go today when you told Roger Reed that you were going to Duke? And he looked at me, and that's when he went off. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I walked into the uh, hall. No one had cell phones then. This was like 1997. You got on the payphone. Yeah, in the in the little lobby when you first come into the high school gym. <laughs> right. And I called the desk at the Tribune. And I said, yeah, that story that I had, it's bigger than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet they were high-fiving. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It was a big, big deal. All right. And the guy who replaced Roger Reed is Steve Cleveland. He's coming up next. Stay with us. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.